There Goes the Atmosphere Written by Miss Molly Etc. And read by God of Laundry Baskets Chapter 3 Steal a Shuttle Just walk into the main hangar and steal a shuttle, never mind the outboard shield enclosing the mouth of the bay from deep space, or the thousands of their brothers who might be a little upset at their commander trying to abandon them in the middle of a war. Rex could be a real criffing bastard sometimes. Cody couldn't just leave. The elevator lights flickered as it slowed three floors from Med Bay on level 28. Cody rocked back and forth on his heels and hit 14 on the touchpad for the crew deck. Obi-Wan's pack swung from his right hand, bumping into his knee. His traitor could take care of himself. He was a carking lunatic, of course, always throwing himself out of perfectly good alardies and into storms of blaster fire, but he usually came back, smiling like a fool and protesting that, no, that wasn't his war cry over the comlink, Cody. You must have turned to the wrong frequency. He was a survivor. The Order 66 proved that Obi-Wan could be anything. Cody shifted his grip on the pack and chewed on his lower lip. The doors shifted open to reveal the glass-walled corridors of the med bay level, still crowded with troops, and then closed. The elevator shuddered as it cycled downwards again. If Rex was right, though, if Fives hadn't been a carking madman, then someone had been using Cody and his brothers from the very beginning. Someone who was probably using the 501st against Traitor. Skywalker even now, and Obi-Wan was out there isolated, probably wounded, and with no one to watch his criffing decoop back while he wrung the last drops of fuel out of a stolen, short-ranged flyer straight into danger. Cody's right eyelid twitched steadily. He tapped in his command override for crew deck on level 14 and then hit the button for level 28. The luma panels in the walls flickered as the elevator came to a stop and then rose. It couldn't hurt to verify Rex's claims. Cody snorted and squeezed his eyes shut briefly as gravity pressed down on him. As he opened them again, he resettled his helmet on his head with his free hand. He remembered Fives now, a little bit anyway. He'd been a smart ARC trooper, loyal to his brothers. During that whole AWOL business, Cody'd been running maneuvers along one of the hut trade hyperlanes, scaring pirates too stupid, not to realize the only thing Cody cared about was finishing the blasted show of force for their allies and getting back to the war, which he'd be abandoning again, even if what Fives and Rex said felt true even if it made the sickest, most crunching sort of sense in the pit of Cody's stomach. But instincts weren't everything. Sometimes they were wrong, and that was why they had orders. He 
He reached out, gauntleted hand wavering over the touchpad. He frowned. He tapped in the override code again and ran his thumb over the level 14 icon. A memory flicked in the back of his head. His traitor striding back and forth so fast his hologram had blurred sticks for legs. He'd been pretending not to be angry again. They'd been forced to send messages in short data packages with days of static and low-frequency colonists calm chatter in between. Obi-Wan had come back from a meeting with his conspiracy and actually complained for once about having to talk them out of cutting of cutting one of Traitor. Skywalker's men up to find out why he'd killed a knight. Obi-Wan was like that, always so shocked when a clone was treated like a clone. Disposable, even if he hadn't paid off his creation debt yet. Cody shook his head. His optics fuzzed and then sharpened on the serial numbers etched across the doors. He slammed his fist into the touchpad, cracking the screen, and threw Obi-Wan's pack into the door. It hit with a jangle of straps and slid to the floor. The elevator shuddered to a halt. Cody chewed harder on his bottom lip and tried to breathe calmly, to fix himself in one spot and feel his body containing him from one criffing moment to the carking next. The air filter in his helmet hissed loudly, struggling to keep up. What he wanted didn't matter with so many lives at stake. It would have been one thing if he could have left the battalion in her officer's charge, but with General Kata on his way, with his own complement of staff, Cody's absence, no, his mutiny, would put every single brother at risk. He'd stow Obi-Wan's things in his own berth and tell Rex that he had to stay. Cody pressed his hand to the front of his helmet. He tasted a hint of blood and pushed his lower lip out from beneath his teeth with his tongue. Obi-Wan probably already lost his lightsaber by now. He always did. And in the most unlikely places like that time on Tanab, when the negotiator had stopped for a day's liberty and he managed to leave it in a restaurant's fresher. Every second, he was getting farther and farther away. Had he... No, he couldn't have felt... The traitors being executed. At the temple. Not all the way from Coruscant. He probably hadn't even known who shot him down. He flinched and took a deep breath. No wonder the traitors had outlawed attachments, if this soured gut feeling was what they led to. He flinched again. The Republic had ordered the 212th to secure Utapau, and that was what he should do. His traitor understood about duty. He was more like a clone than any traitor Cody had ever served. Obi-Wan wouldn't expect Cody to come unless it would be to finish what Order 66 told him to do. None of them ever really expected a rescue, even when they... even when they deserved it. His wrist comlink blinked white to blue, and Cody brought it up level with his voice filter. 
He looked at Obi-Wan's pack on the floor and pushed the receive button. Sir, our internal sensors have tracked repeated use of your personal override in elevator 6138G, Modi said. It looks as though the control panel is malfunctioning. Should we send a maintenance crew to... Cody could hear buttons being pushed, and then... Level 20? Their traitor had always come for them, though. He'd done his best. Cody shook his head and breathed through the renewed ache radiating up from the base of his neck. Negative, Sergeant, he said. Meet me at the med bay elevators. I need a fresh pair of eyes. Uh, yes, sir, Modi said. I'll meet you there. They clicked off, and Cody let his arms drop to his sides. He reached down and picked up Obi-Wan's pack from the floor. The touchpad's screen warped slightly when he typed in his override code and touched the level 28 icon. The rooms on the med bay level had windows for walls, and every bed was full. The corridor leading up to the main healing room was covered in scorch marks from deflecting blaster bolts. Bodies lay stretched out to either side of the hall. Tanoshi had not gone quietly. Cody's throat tightened, and he coughed to clear it. Cody held Obi-Wan's pack against his side underneath his right arm as he and Modi walked down the hallway. The little ticks hadn't gone away. Modi's left hand clenched around the casing of his tablet, while the other tapped a frantic beat against his pant leg. "'You wanted to see me, sir,' he said. His right eye was a sunburst of broken capillaries. Cody nodded. I need to see a medic about a rumor, he said. I thought you might be interested. Modi fell out of step, pausing as Cody walked on, and then chuckle hiccuped. He caught back up to Cody's side. Sir, he asked. Through here, Cody said. He pointed to the right as a main corridor forked between the observation and surgery rooms. Modi adjusted his path accordingly. Cody nodded at a passing squad and saluted an answer to theirs. It looked like an amalgamated group from the 501st. Two of them had markings across their shoulders that had them hailing from the Sapper's division, and the other three had paratrooper tabs on their helmets. Modi's hand shook when he saluted, and he snapped it back down to his side as quickly as possible. Is there... Modi swallowed. Commander... Was there something in the reports I've been filing? Because we've looked. I mean, I've been very thorough at ease, Sergeant. Cody snapped, stomach clenching. So it wasn't just him and Rex trying to figure out what was happening. That shouldn't be such a criffing surprise, maybe. But it was good to know all the same. He took a deep breath. The bodies seemed to lead towards the scanning bay. Cody frowned. The tarps that should have been covering the corpses were shoved down to their midsections, and all of the dead were in shipboard greys. He slowed down, in mid-stride. No way those wounds were taken in combat. 
we had a problem in engineering, sir, Moody said quietly. And the armory. Medical only just now finished the tally. There's a report at your terminal. Of course, Cody said, hearing his own voice distantly. He shook his head and tightened his grip around the straps of Obi-Wan's pack. Ahead of them, the door of the scanning bay had a freshly scrubbed face and was still dripping water onto the floor. A guard stood outside of it. He wore Adding Squad's sigil, a droid head with crossed lightsabers on his yellow pauldrons. The guard came to attention, elbow knocking sharply against the door. Cody looked towards Modi. We're going to go inside that bay, he said quietly. And you're going to watch while the medic, one of our boys, not the MDs, gives me an atomic-level brain scan. And we'll... He shrugged, trailing off. I guess we'll see from there. Modi's face went ashy pale around the mouth as his lips tightened to a tense line. He nodded, and Cody nodded back. They walked forward. Cody breathed in slowly, raising his chin. He nodded at the guard, raising his eyebrows as a man hesitated before moving out of his way. His helmet had thick black hash marks ringing the eye lenses that looped around the air filter and speaker ports over the mouth. Anything the matter, Trip Sevens? he asked. Commander, Trip Sevens said loudly, standing to one side as the scanning bay door opened. His voice seemed a little high. Commander Cody, what a pleasant surprise! And how nice to see you as well, Trooper, Cody said as he and Modi walked past him. Trip Sevens followed them inside. Commander on deck, someone inside shouted. That was a hell of a lot of formality. Cody frowned, looking over the room with Modi twitching at his side. The scanning room was one of the smaller spaces in the med bay, but it was still large enough for a diagnostic droid pair, plus the intensive scanners and six beds. Now, half of the beds were occupied by corpses, fully covered at least. Next to the other three, assorted men stood at attention, side by side. Jurian Snag, he remembered from reviewing Aiden before launching the Pow City assault. Triage was shipboard medical, and 23, Drawl, and Ink had ship security gray stripes outlining the yellow slashes of their armor. The medical droids were in their recharging stations, jacked into the ports on the walls and clearly offline. He set Obi-Wan's pack on the nearest bed and heard a quiet click from far off to his right. Cody's HUD focused in on each of the men in the room. None of them had moved. At ease, Cody said. Most of the men sat back down again, but they didn't relax. What are you all doing here? Triage inhaled and then coughed. <clears throat> what? Can I do for you, sir? It's a carking mess out there, but we're getting down to the stubbed toes and hangnails pretty soon. He rubbed his hand over the thick stripe of hair in the center of his bare scalp. The corner of his mouth kept twitching to the side. 
Triage's eyes flickered over Cody's shoulder to Modi and then away. Twenty-three fidgeted in Cody's peripheral vision, squirming in his seat on the bed. Cody turned his head just slightly. Twenty-three was still a shiny, rotating through shipboard duties until the sergeants had a bead on his skill set. He had a folded brown robe clutched in his lap, and he was rubbing the hood between his fingers. His lips were moving, but Cody couldn't hear him. Cody's back stiffened, and his shoulders drew down. He cocked his head at Ink and Draw, sitting to either side of their shiny. Ink put his left forearm down over Twenty-Three's hands, stilling them. I don't see anyone bleeding, Cody said. His chest tightened as he breathed in and looked around the room again. Just here for some scans, Commander, Jury said. He'd dyed his hair in blue streaks since the review, and it was long enough to be falling out of his bun. He scratched the synth flesh patch sealed to the side of his neck with two fingers. We got pinned by supers during the drop on the second level and took shrapnel damage. Rivet pulled us out of the hangar by our shoves and told us to report to medical. Rivet's here too, Snag added. He grunted when Jury knocked into him with his shoulder and tucked his scarred chin against his gorget. The other men, except for Twenty-Three, glanced at each other. Cody's HUD registered two heat signatures behind the big scanner in the corner, where the operator was supposed to stand. He pulled off his helmet with both hands and set it down next to the pack with his right. He rubbed his left palm over his face. "'Someone want to tell me what's going on here?' he asked. There were a lot of problems with the silicate dust on Utpau, Triage said. The sinkholes kicked up a carking bantha pen's worth of osic and overloaded the filters in many of the troops' helmets. Rivet thought. Cody heard a scuffle behind the big machine, and then Rivet stumbled out around the diagnostic bed. It's nothing, sir, he said. He rubbed his nose with a bloody tissue and tossed it into the bio-refuse bin against the wall. Just running a few tests. I thought all the combat medics were down on Utapau, Modi asked. He walked a few feet apart, turning his tablet over and over in his hands. Cody stepped closer to Rivet, angling himself so his back was to Modi only. Rivet's cheeks, both tattooed with the medical corps red articulated cross, twitched as if he couldn't keep his mouth still. He was fully kitted out except for the helmet and his backpack. Shipped up with Aiden during the pullout to Rendezvous Point, Rivet said, staring directly at Cody. I figured if we were taking on the 501st wounded, the brothers might need some help. They don't need help. They didn't, 23 muttered before being shushed. Cody glanced to the side. Draw had his arm around Twenty-Three's shoulders, and Ink was tugging on the Traitor. robe in his grasp. He turned back to Rivet. You men can clear out, he said. Get some rest. We're heading back to the final push into Utapau soon. I need to speak with a Rivet in private. Your cripping friend back there planning on coming out anytime soon? He pointed over Rivet's shoulder with his left hand to where that second heat signature he'd seen was still hiding, 
and rested his right on the butt of his sidearm. The squeezing pressure at the back of his head looped once around his shoulders and held tight. Definitely time for another parexia once he'd cleared the room. Rust, 23 snorted. Watch it, shiny, Jury said, and stood up. Commander, it hasn't even been a full day. Shouldn't we give the Traitor. more time? The men all winced at the same time. Drawl's armor clacked against the bed as he hunched closer to his brothers. Snag put his hand on the plate covering Jury's back. Cody ground his teeth and tucked his hands behind his waist. So you don't buy it either, Moody blurted out. Fire feck no, Trip Sevens said. We- Cody glared, and Trip Sevens stuttered into silence. Moody stepped further into the room. His hands shook, rattling his tablet against his rank badges. Nothing's been confirmed yet, Cody said, and closed his eyes briefly at the flare of pain burning of the back of his head. Jury snorted. Trip Sevens moved closer to one of the occupied beds and put his hand on the corpse-covered foot. Cody tasted blood at the back of his mouth and swallowed. He wasn't prepared for this. It had been bad enough on the command deck. Traitor. Kenobi saved me on Jabin, Jury said. Why did he want to kill me now? Wake up, muttered Twenty-Three. Stop saying that, Ink hissed, and gave the traitor's robe another yank. It couldn't hurt to tell them. He'd have to make a ship-wide announcement before they hived back to Utapau anyway, and... and if Rex was right, which he still might not be, then at least they'd know who to follow when Cody was... not there. His gut twisted. We got our orders, he said. General Kata is already en route to assume command of the 212th. The Republic wants Utapau brought back into the fold. Jury looked over at Trip Sevens, still closest to the door, and pushed his stringy hair out of his face. Trip Sevens resettled his grip on his dice, angling the blaster across his chest. But I thought... Snag raised his head to look at Cody. Didn't we hype out to the rendezvous point? To kill? Bavadu. He grimaced and pressed his lips together, crushing the shrapnel scars that burst up from his chin to the bottom of his nose into a clump. Bavadu, Cody repeated, to cover the stutter of his heartbeat when one of his brothers called for Obi-Wan's death. They weren't supposed to sound like that. Sorry, sir, Snag said, looking down at his lap. He shook his head and rubbed both hands up and over his black buzz cut. I meant the traitor. Well, I like our name for him, Triage said, frowning. He had a tracery of broken capillaries branching out over his cheeks as he spoke. His head shook. At least we can say it. He glanced at Cody before quickly turning his head. The air in the room turned heavy. 
It weighed Cody's lungs down when he breathed. The battalion's nickname for Obi-Wan wasn't the worst he'd ever heard. That would probably have gone to General Fisto's battle group, but he'd never tried to make it popular. The 212th business belonged to them, not the civilians. Bavado was a notch above the negotiator, only because it wasn't splashed across every piece of war propaganda the Chancellor could wheedle out of the conspiracies control. The traitors of the open circle fleet were the most famous faces in Gar. Nothing painted a bigger target on the traitors' heads than being recognizable, after all. They already had the damn lightsabers. The carking bounty on Obi-Wan tripled with every new press release. Cody clenched his hands beneath his crossed arms. Didn't we hype out to the rendezvous point to kill Bavadu? Sir, I'm almost done here. I swear I'll be turning in my report as soon as possible, Rivet broke in. He stepped closer, flicking the fingertips of his gauntlets like they were his nails. His right cheek bulged and then wavered, like he was biting the inside of his mouth. There were too many uninjured clones in this room for this sting to make sense, and the dead ones worried him. Why don't you tell me what you're doing first, Cody said, and I'll tell you if it's worth reporting. Sir, Boyle said, coming out from behind the scanning machine. I think we all might need to stay. Cody took a step back and dropped a hand to his blaster. You missed roll call, Sergeant, he said. He took a deep breath to hide the jump in his pulse. I thought you went AWOL with the rest of Ghost Company. He saw Aiden's squad and ship security move closer to one another in his peripherals. Modi's chuckle hiccuped died out in a click of teeth. Boyle walked over to stand next to Rivet. He'd lost half his goatee and most of the right side of his face to a bacta patch sealed at a diagonal from his cheek to his temple. His armor was dented and scratched, still filthy from the ground assault. We... Rivet's been scanning the casualties from engineering and the brothers who died in the hangar, Boyle said, out of the side of his mouth. His sharp voice came out slower than usual, but precise. Rivet must have given him some of the Derenko pain surrettes. They made all the muscles numb. Got a lot of friends in the 501, Cody asked. I thought I was having another nightmare, so I tried to eat my blaster in the hangar, right before Cries loaded the last of the brothers up, Boyle said, and jerked his thumb towards his face. It woke me up before. I'd be dead if Rivet hadn't kicked me in the arm. He kicked you, Trip Sevens asked. Boyle and Rivet glanced at each other. I didn't have anything close enough to throw, Rivet said, shrugging. Cody looked away, but his sightline caught on the traitors' small winged starburst in the top right quadrant of the articulated cross decal on Rivet's chest. He'd gotten extra training in tra- 
in Tanoshi's Xeno and Traitor certification courses. Her reports had been glowing enough for Obi-Wan to remark on it. Cody looked up. Rivet's nose was bleeding. It was almost vibrating in place. Boyle handed him another tissue. How come we can call him uncle, but not traitor? Trip Sevens asked suddenly. His voice was just a touch more clear than the rest of the brothers. It made him sound younger. The negotiator. He waggled his bucket from side to side, indicating he was rolling his eyes. Bavadu. Traitor. 23 hissed and pulled away from Drow to lean forward on his own lap. Ink sighed. Triage walked closer to their bed and stood at the head of it. It's the same for us, Ink said, clearing his throat. We could say healer and, uh... Ink didn't finish. He rubbed his thumb over his right eyebrow. His other hand visibly shook on his knee. Last weapons reclassification, Ink had the steadiest hands in the 212th. Draw nodded. His forehead creased, ruining the lines of his tattoo. Cody squeezed his hand around the butt of his blaster. We can say their names, he said finally. No one seemed to want to look at him. Cody lifted his chin and clenched his jaw. Boyle cleared his throat. Bet you said the traitor's name a lot, 23 said suddenly. You should be glad you don't have to anymore. The men froze. Cody stiffened. What? Firefac 23, shut up, Drawl said, and knocked him in the plates. Griffin, get off, 23 said, struggling up from his place on the bed. He stumbled back, holding the robe against his chest with one hand. It unfolded, dragging the rough brown weave down to his knees. He dragged the back of his free hand up the left side of his face. Oh, sick. Get a hold of yourself, trooper, Cody said, stepping towards him. We have to keep it together if we, if we really want to find out what's going on. 501 were telling the truth, Commander, Boyle said, losing his crispness a bit. Rivet can show- They were traitors! 23 yelled, throwing his left arm out to the side. They were, they were, they kept us out here fighting, even though we all kept dying. They betrayed us. We're good soldiers! He was shaking, a constant full-body shiver, with sweat glistening on his forehead and matting down his regulation crew cut. The traitor's robe wavered at his side. Whose was it? Tenoshi and Afonjo had been about the same size. Cody shook his head. Twenty-three. He trailed off. He was saying this. He was admitting it out loud to his own men. His gut roiled, muscles cramping up and lungs trying to seize even as he spoke. None of our brothers would have killed themselves over a correct order. The 212th doesn't run. Someone's compromised the gar.
He couldn't say it was the Chancellor. His lungs burned. The seppies, Jury said, near growling. Not according to the 501st, Modi said. Triage, tell them. Tell them what your buddy on Strill Squad said. 23 stabbed the air in front of him, aimed at Cody. He bounced on his toes, hands twisting into fists. He licked his lips, and his eyes flickered up and down Cody's body and then behind him, before fixating at Cody's waist, where he still had a grip on his blaster. The robe dangled by 23's side, brushing back and forth against the floor. His face, clean-shaven and undecorated, twisted into thick lines as his lips pulled back from his teeth. No, he said. No, we follow our orders. You taught me to follow our orders. This isn't happening. I'm right. I am right. And no carking hut in La Scarna who got on his knees to pay down his creation that is going to tell me different. The room erupted, and 23's head went down as he lurched forward. He rushed across the room, arms outstretched in a scramble of limbs and robe. Cody braced himself, shifting his weight to his heels. 23 dropped the robe and grabbed for Cody's blaster with his right hand as he turned his body inward, left elbow striking for Cody's solar plexus. Cody pivoted and latched on to 23's wrist with his opposite hand. He let 23's momentum carry him past as he twisted the trooper's arm up and back. 23 yelled, voice shredding into nonsense as Cody slammed his heel into the back of his knee and followed him down to the floor. He pinned 23 with a knee to the small of his back and put pressure on his right arm, holding it against his spine. Get back, Cody yelled. He saw Jury and Snag draw their blasters and aim over his head at the click of safeties coming off behind him. Beneath him, 23 howled and slammed his forehead against the ground. Blast it all to 23, stop it, you do cutless son of a hut, Rivet said, kneeling down. He put his hand under 23's forehead and held on. 23 yelled and then sobbed. His hips bucked as he rocked from side to side, fighting Cody's grip. Sir, he didn't mean it, Ink yelled. Swear on the traitors' lives! He- Ink cut off with a choke, and Cody glanced up, nearly biting his tongue as 23 jerked beneath him. Jury raised his blaster to his shoulder. His hair fell down across the harsh frown of his face. I saw that criffing airlock, you sick piece of bantha fodder, Jury said. Don't you criffing dare! We were in another part of the ship, Drow shouted. Twenty-three moaned. I do not need more dead bodies on this ship, Triage said. Carking hell, stand down! Force Take it, Cody said. He snarled and bore down. Twenty-three's feet skittered uselessly on the floor, but his armored boots made a hell of a screeching racket. If you hear any blasters discharging in this room, Boyle, you have my permission to blow us all to hell. Sir, yes, sir, Boyle said. Uh, I sort of lost my detonators, though. Down a sinkhole? Cody paused and blinked. Of course you did, he said finally. 
Modi chuckle hiccuped. It's in the report, sir, he said. Cody took a deep breath and let a chuckle that was more air than noise escape him. He glanced up at Jury and then over his shoulder. Drawl and Ink were staring down at him, blasters held at their side. Trip Sevens looked like he was covering the whole room from the corner, and Triage was hovering in the middle, face almost as red as the broken capillaries in his sclera. The air seemed a little thinner, but hot with static. The back of Cody's head throbbed, little red pulses of light worming into the corners of his vision. He looked back downwards. Rivet was down on his elbows, murmuring into 23's ear. 23 shook his head and then collapsed, sinking into the floor in Rivet's hands. He melted down as far as his plain armor would let him. Rivet looked up and caught Cody's eye. He nodded and bent his head again. Twenty-three mumbled something, and Rivet pressed his forehead against his ear. Slowly, Cody leaned back. He let Twenty-three's arm slip from his grasp and stood up, careful not to press his weight into Twenty-three's back. His lungs ached, as if he'd been breathing dust. He swallowed. What's he saying? he asked. Rivet sat up, maneuvering Twenty-Three's head and shoulders into his lap. He reached out over his back and pulled the fallen, dusty robe closer. He's sorry, Rivet said, sighing. He wants to wake up now. Cody looked away. He put his hands behind his back and gripped his right wrist with his left hand. His teeth clicked together as he clenched them. Modi walked closer, hands opening and closing. Sergeant Tor tried that, Drawl said. That's what 23 said before triage nabbed us. He, he pushed the airlock button, and then he charged the squad. He killed Beam, and then 23 killed him. This wasn't going to get better. Every bone in Cody's body ached. Every muscle screamed at him to fall down and curl into a ball, hands over the back of his head, and brace for impact. He stood straighter instead, shivering as if he was back in the carbonite chamber, seconds before flash freeze had gotten him and the temperature had dipped. He saw the lists again in his mind's eye. I think you should see this, sir. Boyle said. Cody jerked his head around to look at him. Rivet's already had a chance to scan me and Snag, as well as our dead. We've got proof. Cody breathed out, mildly surprised that his breath didn't freeze in the air and nodded. He didn't want proof. It should have been a mistake, a storm tale to frighten shinies like the ones they'd told each other in the pods on Camino. It should just be him, not all his brothers. The list unrolled in his mind again. Kato Nemoidia. Majito. Kashik. The weight of the names bore down on his shoulders. 
The men had settled and holstered their weapons, but stood in separate groups. Trip Sevens moved to stand by Modi. Triage stayed where he was, and Boyle and Rivet looked at each other. Rivet's nose was bleeding again. He swiped his tissue against his upper lip and stroked the back of Twenty-Three's head with his other hand. Boyle disappeared behind the scanning machine, and Cody heard pressurized clasps being unlocked. Boyle returned, holding a tablet in one hand and a stack of specimen slides in the other. He held out the tablet and Cody took it from him. He tabbed his thumb on the screen and flipped to the most recent file. The room was silent, except for the sound of the men breathing. Cody's throat squeezed itself shut. He swallowed hard and forced it back open. The bile in his stomach burned. He scrolled onward. CT 1343-43433B, 212th Engineering Cores. Self-inflicted welding laser to the chest, an intact biochip in his brain. CT 3422, 501st Search and Destroy Division. DOA with a droidica leg through his chest and a fused biochip. CT 653400-A. 212th Grenaders. KIA with a bolt in every part of his body, including his head. Rivet had noted the remnant of neural pathways identical to the two previous bodies and a charred fragment of biochip. CT 5664. 212th Ghost Company. Cody held the tablet out in front of him until Boyle took it back. He bit the corners of his mouth hard and forced his face to hold its position. He put his hands behind his back again, grabbing hold of wrist and lifting his chin. It was true. He swallowed heavily and pushed himself to concentrate on the motion of his breath. They'd been carked. Obi-Wan in his shuttle and the men here, every one of them, betrayed. Sir, Modi asked, voice little more than a whisper. They were tools. Order 66 made them no better than droids. Cody nodded. He worked his mouth until his jaw loosened enough for speech. Whoever did this to us, he said, we're going to find them, and we're going to criffing kill them. Boyle's eyes gleamed. I was hoping you'd say that, sir, he said. Planning to go AWOL wasn't logistically much harder than planning an invasion, and it gave Cody the same swooping nausea as refining battle parameters on the back of a speeder after the traitors had ripped through the AO. The vigilance was close enough to the San Raf 6 corridor to justify the jump spinward from Utapau without officially letting Kata know who they were hoping to meet up with there. The squads posted from the 501st would have a shorter trip if they detached from the 212th's current position and then hyped Corward from the Rima TR. Rex would never let him live it down. 
All they'd have to do was steal a shuttle and join the throng. Cody gave the men their assignments, and they reconvened at the hangar deck, carrying as much as they could without drawing suspicion. He latched the right epaulet lock into place and smacked both hands down on his shoulders to settle his new caress. Cody pinched his lips between his teeth and glanced at the blue scout sniper tabs across his chest. There had been plenty of the 501st armor for jury and snag to scavenge from graves, but the cracks in the durasteel radiating from the blaster hole in the bottom of his carass made his gut twist. It could pass muster from far enough away, if he kept his left arm down at his side, but not if anyone got a close look at him. Is that the best you could get? Trip Sevens asked, holding up his heavily dented new greave. Talk to Upgrade if you've got a problem, Jury said. He already accounted for most of the usable stuff. I was lucky to get this crate out of the door while Snag pretended to need a new... <clears throat> Snag cleared his throat and blushed. He tossed his helmet to Ink, who caught it one-handed. He set it down on a crate, shook his paint can, and aimed the nozzles straight across the yellow triangle over Snag's crest. No one could bring himself to take a dead man's bucket, so Ink had been redesigning helmets on the fly. Draw had looked up from where they'd laid 23 out on the stretcher and then turned his head back down. Triage wrapped his arm around his shoulders. They'd been responsible for dressing 23 in the 501st gear. Modi cleared his throat and shifted back from the open threshold of the supply bay. Still clear, he said, fingering his new lieutenant pips. Well, no one is going to look at me and see a blasted sapper, Boyle said, carefully putting on his freshly painted helmet. Nivar Oshted Barapir. I promise not to think you could actually do the job. Rivet said. He popped the gas cylinder into his D's. His armor looked odd without his medic marks. Just keep your pack over the shrapnel holes, all right? Force take it, Snag, don't touch your helmet, Ink snapped as he stood up from his crouch. I don't have enough paint to redo the stripes. Sorry, sorry, Snag said, holding his arms out to his sides. It's just, it's just weird. He held still while Ink put his helmet on for him. Cody took a deep breath. The scout who'd worn this armor had been more narrow-chested than him. It fit, but barely. Modi stepped over to him as Triage powered up the stretcher and placed himself at the head, resting both hands on the push bar as it rose to waist height. Drawl stood and drifted over to the far wall. Sir... Modi said, lowering his voice. Are you sure this is the only way? What if you're all caught? What if Captain Rex doesn't have the facilities to take the implant out? How are we even going to find the trip? Babadu. The men paused, turning to look at both of them, and Modi winced. Cody sighed. His chest hurt, muscles tightening at the base of his throat when he reached up to touch the brim of his LD visor. When Ink stiffened, Cody stopped and let his hand drift back to his side. He'd had Ink do his helmet first, to show there was no going back. 
The smell of wet paint was in his air filter, so the blue sunburst across his visor and noseplate was probably still gummy. It was only temporary, of course, and he'd make sure they got the two-twelfths color back as soon as possible. Right now, no one looked like themselves. It was like acting in one of those piece of stang hollow net docudramas where one man played all his brother's parts and carked it up like the gar was made out of droids and not people. Cody's clenched fist pressed against his thigh plates. He shook his head. Trip Sevens came to attention. Without the hash marks around his mouth filters, he looked barely decanted. Modi stepped away and took up space along the wall next to Drawl. They, at least, still looked like themselves. That's why I backdated your promotion as far back as I could get away with, Lieutenant, Cody said. You have to get the rest of the 212 through cleanup planet side while ship's security here. He pointed to Drawl, then Ink. Keep the crew moving through Med Bay. How did that even happen, sir? Ink asked, managing half of an actual smile. Not that Modi hasn't been cramming for that test since he was decanted. Drawl crossed his arms over his chest and slouched a little further against the wall. He shook his head. It's done and it'll hold up, Cody said. Just make sure no one forgets and calls him sergeant. He swallowed. Keep Kata distracted and his men out of the loop, but make sure triage can get them to surgery. There would be no more incidents in engineering or the armory. He glanced down at 23, still sedated, and no more desperate shinies. Yes, sir, Modi said, and Cody nodded. We'll make sure everyone keeps their heads, Drawl said. He waggled his helmet from side to side. I mean... Jury snickered. Boyle groaned. Someone shut off his mic before he tries again. I don't suppose you want to make me and draw admirals before you go, sir? Ink asked. It couldn't hurt. Modi chuckle hiccuped. Cody shook his head. It almost been like he was a shiny again. Slicing his batchmates liberty cards to reset the lockout clocks. Of course, slicing the GAR network was easier, now that he had Obi-Wan's override codes, but covering his tracks while dragging the servers for post-Order 66 reports, with the 501st pullout looming, had been a HUD's deadline. Triage pushed the stretcher towards the front of the supply bay forcing Snag and Ink to move to opposite sides. Twenty-three tossed his head, mumbling from beneath the large back the pad covering the lower half of his face. He should be out for hours, Triage said, glancing over his shoulder. We pumped him full of sterinade. Cody picked up Obi-Wan's pack and slung it over his right shoulder. It hung lower than before, Stuffed with the extras he'd scrounged, he squeezed his hand around the strap and cleared his throat. Up and on me, he said, and the men stood to attention. The air stilled around them, but Cody could hear the punch and scream of shuttle engines revving across the hangar level. 
booted footsteps stamped along the corridor outside. Snag? It's Shuttley Tad, near the Astromex recharging station, Snag said, already kitted out in hash marks and a bombarder's missile stencils, blue from bucket to boots. I got my friend in the wrench jockeys. <clears throat> Modi cleared his throat. Uh, Snag tugged on the bottom of his helmet. Gaff says she'll be in docking bay 38L, scheduled for the second to last liftoff before the vigilance rejoins the 212th. No problems, no questions, and, uh, he wanted to say they've got our backs. Vaudad Hukat Kamal, sir. Cody paused. Snag shifted his dice from his left to his right. Cody's breath grew louder in his ears for a moment before he recentered himself. At this rate, he'd be a better traitor than Obi-Wan with all the carking meditation. He nodded once and cleared his throat. Good job, he said. Remember, walk slowly. Keep pace with the stretcher. All we have to do is board the shuttle and hype out on dispatch's mark. We're... He swallowed. We're just following orders. A hot, bright knot of pain pushed high against his temple, making his eyelids twitch. Jury's head waggled back and forth, even though the rest of him was perfectly still. Cody closed his eyes briefly. He heard the men shifting on their feet, resettling their borrowed equipment. It would be stolen equipment as soon as he keyed in the coordinates to rendezvous with Rex and not the 212th. His head pounded. Cody opened his eyes. We're good soldiers, he said. We've beat back everything the enemy's thrown at us and some Ossic nobody saw coming. Our brothers need us. Our leaders trusted us. And it's up to us now to make this right. Are you ready? Oh yes, sir, Drawl said, snapping to attention in his gray and yellow. We won't let you down. We'll have every carking chip out of our men, Triage said. Horizon's clear, Jerry said, looking out into the corridor. He raised his hand. Now or never. Move out, Cody said. May the force be with us. Modi, Ink, and then Draw left first to avoid suspicion. Next, Cody waved the rest of the men out. They kept pace with the stretcher, while Cody rode their six just behind triage. He wanted to say something as they crossed from the machinist bays to the hangar floor. A head dipped as they passed, the barest sketch of a salute, before the mechanic was jogging off with a clipboard and a bundle of coiled cable. Cody's jaw ached. He was abandoning his men, leaving them to face the enemy at the helm and on the planet. He swallowed hard against the rock lodged in his throat and kept moving. Obi-Wan needed him. The only way to find the person who'd done this to their men would be to find his traitor and help him take down the carking sack of Oisk responsible for betraying them all, and if it was... If Rex was right, and it wasn't the Chancellor, then the Chancellor was in danger too. 
Cody had sworn his oath to the Republic every day until he'd been assigned off Camino, and he wasn't going to betray that now. He rested his hand on the butt of Obi-Wan's reassembled Wester thirty-four pistol and tucked his arm against the blaster hole in his armor. The lower hangar was bustling with movement. The bodies had been cleared away, and most of the debris had been pushed off to make space for the outgoing personnel. Triage had bent over the diagnostic panel, steered the stretcher towards the back of the mass of the 501st troops. There is no emotion. There is peace, Rivet muttered over private comms. Carking oisk. Cut the chatter, Snag said. Cody made himself breathe calmly, counting each inhalation and holding it for a beat before exhaling. Triage sped up as they detached from the main group and made their way to their waiting shuttle. Cody stepped on the back of his heel. No rush, he muttered, glancing around. Keep it together. Triage stumbled but nodded. His pace slowed. They neared the shuttle's ramp, and Trip Sevens took Triage's place. Their hands brushed as Triage let go of the push bar. The men walked up into the shuttle without pausing or looking back. Cody tightened his grip on the pistol. He swallowed as he stepped up the ramp. Good luck, Triage whispered as he passed. He nodded just as he entered the shuttle and hit the button to retract the ramp and close the blast doors. Trip Sevens had already magnetized 23's stretcher to the floor at the far side of the hold. Rivet's helmet was off, and the red articulated crosses on his cheeks shone wetly with sweat. He sat in the medic's chair, transferring the stretcher's sensor input to the shuttle's memory banks. Cody walked to the pilot's seat, patting Jury's shoulder as he passed the navigator's console. He sat down in the chair and opened the comm channel to dispatch. Snag was already sitting in the co-pilot's station strapping in. Shuttle Todd, this is Vigilance. Dispatch code 039er. Do you copy? Sergeant Taichon asked. Cody swallowed and licked his lips. He looked over his shoulder. Rivet stared back at him, already strapped in next to Trip Sevens. His palms were open on his knees, breathing as close to regular as the fine tremors in his body allowed. Cody turned back and gestured at the comm speaker. If he, of all people, spoke up, the plan was dead before they'd lifted off. Snag cleared his throat. Copy, dispatch, this is Shuttle Etad, Snag said, pitching his voice off with that weird lilt the 501st had picked up somewhere. We're a full tank, ready for a liftoff at your mark. Roger that, Shuttle Etad. You are clear for fourth liftoff, Taichon said, and all the muscles in Cody's back seized and went numb. ETA three minutes. Mark. Mark, Snag said, and clicked off the comm channel. Cody ran the pre-flight checks in a daze, feeling like every breath was someone else's idea. This was it. He was actually doing this. He hadn't disobeyed an order this big and, and, and 
he'd never taken this kind of risk before. He'd never jumped off this big a cliff. He typed in the coordinates Rex had transmitted, setting a course that would take them out with the 501st and detach just at the jump to hyperspace. Jury, start ripping out the transponders as soon as we've jumped, he said, and placed his hands at the controls. I don't want anyone tracking us. Yes, sir, Jury said quietly. The depressurizing alarm rang out over the hangar, signaling all crews to police their helmets. Cody looked out the front viewport as the outboard shield flashed green and lowered its frequency to permit liftoff. Engines fired around them, and Cody brought Etod's thrusters online. The first wave went out, angling past the hangar doors for open space. At the signal from dispatch, shuttle Etod lifted off. Cody leaned over the flight controls, keeping the shuttle at the back end of the pack, but not too far away. The vigilance's signal ping on the shuttle's sensor grew smaller. He reached over to the hyperspace control panel and gripped the lever. Ahead of them in the viewport, a cascading wave of shuttles spread out and shot forward, engines flaring as they jumped. Brace yourselves, he said, angling the shuttle 30 degrees below the 501st hyperspace mark. A shuttle nearby pinged them on the comms. Snag silenced the channel. Cody shifted the lever to point four and fired the engines. He rocked back in his chair, planting his feet for stability. The stars froze in front of them, then shuddered into a billion shining trails as the shuttle leapt forward, engines roaring hot towards Rex's coordinates, towards Obi-Wan. End of chapter three. Mandoa. Bavado, uncle. Decote, decotla. Idiot, idiotic. Hatunla Scotna. Cowardly, much hated thing, person. Figuratively, cowardly asshole. Nivord Ashtad Barpir. I accept someone else's sweat. I gain from someone else's work. Sholitad, Shuttle 7. Vodad Hukat Kama. Your brothers have your back. 